But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did a free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. You need to execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a very special episode. It's episode number 69. Yes, I am mature. Nice. I, I am immature, but this is the 81 Square Meetings of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. This is the 9 by 9 It is Tuesday, May 23rd. Oh, it's my brother's birthday. I should call him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after the show. Yeah, after the show, not, not not live on air, but my name is Everett DeLorme from Toronto. That is Rob St. Clair from Chi-Town. And ladies and gentlemen, it is done. It is over and dusted with it. The 2022-2023 professional volleyball season is over. It is done. All the trophies are, have been given away. Everyone has been crowned champions. We saw uh, a fantastic end to the men's Scudetto playoffs last week, and then a fantastic, absolutely wonderful day of volleyball on Saturday for the Champions League finals. And Rob, let's just jump in right away to the Champions League finals where we had uh, two repeats, two repeats, a three-peat and a two-peat. Zaxa taking uh, it on the men's side, Vakif Bank taking it on the women's side. Before we get, we get to the actual matches itself, I want to talk a little bit about the finals. In, in itself, because like the event, the event. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I think that there was. It was a bad look for volleyball. It, it really was. They had the the stadium lighting on or was it uh, the event lighting on in, in the stadium there in turn. But you could tell you could tell that there was empty seats. You could tell that it, it, it just really wasn't that a packed house, especially for the women's game. I think it got a little bit better for the men's game, but you could just tell that it was empty. The the comment or the you know the in-house commentator it was just bouncing around. It wasn't you know the the noise wasn't getting in, absorbed into any bodies, um, and I, I just thought it was a bad look for volleyball a little bit. Just not having many people there. I, I know there wasn't Ita any uh, Italian teams in either ones of the finals, but still. You know, we should be picking these finals for places where people actually care and want to go see regardless of who's there. There was also the absolutely embarrassing starting lineup gaffe in the men's match with like the, the graphic they showed of the starting lineups. And even our boy Louis Led, who was commentating the games, was extremely confused because the starting lineups that they displayed were not even remotely close to right for the men's final. I didn't yeah. understand that. Just like the the, the little details of what is supposed to be the biggest match of the year for the CEV just weren't executed particularly well. And like the stat sheets have the attendance. Um, both the stat sheets say that there were 10,000 people there. there. And it's the same number. There's no way that that's even close to true for the women's game. And even if it was true for the men's game, you couldn't tell. Because no. uh, it was very similar to the VNL finals in Chicago that one year where... There were so, yeah. so few people there that they blacked out all the stands so you couldn't see how embarrassing the attendance was. So, yeah, this wasn't the best foot forward that volleyball has ever put in terms of like the production and the product in terms of, you know, how how everything was executed. But I got to say the matches, the matches lived up to the hype. The, both of these matches were absolutely fantastic. And it was a shame the, that the that the. the the, the events and the productions didn't do the matches justice. 
Yeah, it, it was also not so great on the broadcasting side of things, I, right. I would say. Big ups for Louis Lett. I mean, I love that he was actually there in person. He wasn't just, you know, calling it over the internet. Obviously, he's a legend. Uh, you know, you and him are up there as my, my favorite commentators. Um, but it was just him all alone. Like, we couldn't get Hein in there. We couldn't get some type of legend to, to sit beside him and give him some color. You know, if you compare this to what we see in the Champions League for soccer, they have pregame shows. They have, you know, halfway, halftime shows. Obviously, it's a little bit more difficult in volleyball. Um, but there was just so much more fanfare where the broadcast to me just seemed like it was another game. Right. Yeah. They did have some a, a few different, uh, more interesting camera angles. They had the one from up top and then they had the jib uh, from from time to time. But other than that, it was just kind of a, a standard game. Obviously, once again, big ups for Louis for, for commentating. But like, let's get someone beside him. Let's do a bit of a, of a preview show. Let's let's do something more because this is the Champions League finals and it's just and it deserves it. And finally, my one biggest qualm they had about this is that it was all behind a paywall. How do we grow the game? How do we keep this? Go- How do we keep the growth going? If even even the, the the you know even our casual fans you know a casual fan is going to be like oh I have to pay for this I don't want it. nope yeah no nope. I'm out. But as you said, Rob, two fantastic matches. It was just wonderful volleyball to watch. Uh, let's start with the women's side, shall we? Sure. It was man, I I love this all Turkey. Vakif Bank came in and an absolute all-time performance by Polo going 40 points on Saturday. It was it was mesmerizing. Yeah, just just an incredible, incredible all-around match from Vakif Bank. Uh, Pala Igonu with and one of just the, the great scoring performances I have ever seen in a volleyball match at any level, period. Like similar to the level of Camille Semenyuk in the men's final last year, where he was just un, absolutely unstoppable. Uh, Egonu did a, a similar thing on way more volume, and everybody in the gym knew that the ball was going her way. 40 points, 37 for 57 attacking, nine errors combined, 65% kills, and 491 efficiency, plus two blocks and an ace for Paula Egonu in the most important match of the year. That is why you brought her over from Italy. That is it. That is that is the player that you signed her to be. And in the biggest match of the year, Egonu delivered yet another championship for Vakif Bank, their sixth Champions League title ever. Um, pretty convincing four-set win over at Zajabaja. And Egonu was so, so, so much better than her counterpart, Tiana Boscovich. It was like they were playing a different sport. Yeah, absolutely. She it was night and day, and it's hard to remember. You know, last fall when we were calling Tiana Boscovich possibly the best player in the world because she did not look like it uh, on Saturday afternoon. Right from the get go, seven blocks by Vakif Bank in that first first set. They were all over Exasha Basha in that first set and uh, like throughout the game. After that, Vakif Bank went out there prepared. And they set the tone, and then Agonu just carried them. With which, to me, it has to be an all-time performance, right? That has one of to the be, best I've ever seen. It, it has to be one of the, the the highest scoring performances in a Champions League finals ever, right? Forty points, men's or women's, it doesn't matter. Like you, you do not see that it's ten it, points per set. That's ten crazy. points per set, uh, absolutely. What what set was it where she was absolutely? 
unreal. Set number two, she had 12 points. She was 10 for 14 attacking uh, with, with two errors all, all combined. So she only continued two balls. That is absolutely just disgusting. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And you know what? Big ups for Vakif Bank. They're their season was really, really on the rocks until about a few weeks ago. Well, I'd say even a few weeks ago, it became even further on the rocks when they lost in the Turkish playoffs in a golden set to Fenerbahce. Like that, the, really, the past month for this team has been a complete roller coaster. They win the Turkish Cup, they immediately get bounced from the playoffs, and then they win their second Champions League in a row. Uh, really, really quite insane. Uh, Obviously, Agonu was the difference, but I want to give Gabi a shout out. I thought she was outstanding, especially in the passing category. Listen to these numbers. 77% positive reception, 71% perfect reception on 31 attempts to lead her entire team. And she was taking 50% of the court. She was squeezing Karabayama all the way to the sideline and passed 71% perfect plus killed 50% of her balls offensively. That That is and, the and great support blocks. performance. And got three blocks. Like, what more and of a supporting performance could you ask for? It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this to me, it, it, it just shows that, like, Ogonu might be the engine behind this team, but 100% Gabi drives the bus, right? Or, or or the other way around, whichever whichever you know metaphor you want to use, this is still Gabi's team, right? 100%. It doesn't ma- yeah. it doesn't matter that Agonu's up there putting putting up forty points. Gabi still runs this team, and I mean we saw it earlier in the year, uh, especially in the semifinals where Gabi just really showed out against uh, against uh, Fenerbahce in the semifinals to be able to win that that golden set and qualify for this this finals. Um, but uh, ultimately, this is still Gabi's team, and it will be next year, especially as now it looks like you know Gonu will be moving on onto onto another team, con- continuing her her world tour of, of of teams in volleyball. But man, this one was just it was all Vakif Bank, and uh, it was a little disappointing. Exajabasha really came on strong in that third set, but just really couldn't put together. It was it was definitely a disappointing for ma- match for for them. No, it definitely was. And but before we talk about it, Zajibasha a little bit, I've got some stats that I want to show, uh, just kind of team stats all the way around for the whole match. And there are a couple really eye-popping numbers here. One of them is blocking. You talked about Vakif Bank's seven blocks in the first set alone, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, 14, 14 blocks total. Overall. Yeah, compared to Zajibasha's nine. Uh, six aces to eight service errors for Vakif Bank is outstanding. One ace to only five errors for Zajibasha. And then team attack efficiency. 416 efficiency for Vakif Bank as a team. A, a lot of that is a gonu, but uh, Gabi was really good. Karabayama was good enough, and the middles were great. 416 as a team versus 256 for Anazajabasha's side. And, and while the passing numbers were basically identical, that disparity in offensive efficiency on identical passing numbers tells me two things. Maya Onyanovic did not set a very good game, and Tiana Boscovich was just bad. She was bad. And it, it's crazy to say that about her after winning, like dominating the world championship in the national team game a year ago. But two years in a row now in the club game, uh, Basha has won zero trophies. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But Boscovich, 16 points only in four sets compared to Egonu's 40. 15 for 46 with 13 errors. That's 049 efficiency. That is just not good enough for somebody who's supposed to be in that echelon of the game in a Champions League final when her team needed her. 
And you cannot blame it on uh, on not having outside hitter support this time because both outside hitters, Baladin and Voronkova combined, were very good. This was mm-hmm. uh, yep. one of the worst clutch games we've seen in Boscovich's career. Yeah, she really didn't show up for this one. And I know the Discord was kind of going off between the way she, the difference that when she looks compared to playing for the national team versus when she's playing professionally, um, because it just was not a good look for, for Tiana Boscovich. Um, to me, though, it was partly due to Vakif Bank's serve, serve pressure. True. Positive, a positive passing rating. It was pretty much the same between the two teams. Um, perfect passer, passer rating was, was a little different. 43% for Vakif Bank, 36%. Uh, for Zasha Basha, that's a huge, that's a, that's a big gap for me. And then six aces for Bakov Bank compared to just only one for Zasha Basha. Like there was just no pressure being put on, um, put on Bakov Bank all day. Whereas on the other side, Agoni was dropping serves at 100 kilometers an hour, right? Like she was consistently serving over 90. And Boshkovich was and, float serving. Float serving, absolutely. Just no pressure whatsoever um, from Zasha Basha. To me, it was like we're going to talk about in the men's game. Like to me on Saturday was you've teams who've been there before were the teams who knew how to deal with the moment, right? They were the teams who knew knew how to deal with the situation and deal with the pressure of it all because that's exactly what Box Bank did, right? They knew how to deal with that moment and they knew they knew how to prepare for that match and you could tell that they prepared for it impeccably. Totally. A uh, question in the chat: How many times did Boshkovich get blocked herself? Six. Six times yeah. in four sets, plus seven unforced errors. Yeah, the efficiency was 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 just miserable. And uh, it's it's worth talking about that that Ford Zajabasha is the team that has been there before. And we're we're going to talk about this later in the show with kind of putting a bow on the entire club season and uh, how disappointing is it to go undefeated in the regular season and then end up winning nothing, uh, which is exactly what they did. I mean. No, you don't. You get knocked out. I think in the round of eight in the Turkish Cup, you lose three to zero in the finals in the Turkish League, mm-hmm. and you really don't put up a very good performance whatsoever in the Champions League final. At that, for a team that was supposed to be extremely good, uh, that is just not a good enough season. And I think most of the blame, unfortunately, needs to be put on Odjanovic and Boscovic. I, I really think it was just those two players. I think. A lot of the blame has to be going, and you have to look at Far, Farbad Akbas, the coach of Akif Bank, right? To me, of Zajabash, you mean? Yeah, yeah, Zajabasha. Sorry, I apologize. Guidetti's the 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 coach of Akif Bank. It's just, you know, we we saw it earlier in the year, like especially in the in the playoffs, how he didn't be going to a Leaf uh, second setter. Like we, even then, we saw him go to a Leaf a little bit, uh, but he, not not that much. Um, to me, that, that there has to be some type of mismanagement management there, right? Like you go undefeated all throughout the year, and then you just crumble in all big situations. Like you crumble at the, the the World Club Championships. You know, you went through all of the other other trophies that was, as well. To me, that that that's something at the head of it, and that has to come on the coach. I agree, and uh, I, I found this this graphic that you can see here. Well, Everett, you probably can't see it, but the people can see it. Uh, just pointing the blame directly at Ferhat Akbash. And in two years, last two years with Zajabasha, failing to win any major tournaments when given opportunities. They lost in, I think, last year's Super Cup, last year's Cup, the semifinals of the league last year, the um, the Club World Championship, like you mentioned, this year, the Turkish Cup this year, the Turkish League this year, the Champions League final this year, all after going 26-0 in the regular season. 
And I, I'm not including winning the CEV Cup last year because that's an inferior competition with a team for a team of this budget. That's uh, I think this does have to be put on the coach sooner or later. We've been talking the last couple of weeks. I think I totally agree with you. I think a setter change needed to have been made. I think Aleve Shaheen would have uh, been exactly what this team needed. And there, there were people in the Discord at the time uh, talking about benching Tiana Boscovich and putting in Samantha Fabris, which I, I understand where you're coming from there with as bad as Boscovich was, but I, I would not have made that move. I definitely would have made the setter switch. And he just didn't really have the the courage or the willingness to to commit to making that move. And I think it really could have helped. And I'm, I'm really curious to see uh, where Zajabash as a program goes from here because Akbash, remember, when, when, when all of the shuffling of national team coaches was going around, Akbash was the hot name that the Turkish national team wanted, but he had already committed to coach Croatia. I bet, uh, I bet everybody's really happy now with how everything turned out, getting Santorelli instead of him for the national team. Yeah, absolutely. That's a world of <laughs> a world of difference there. Uh obviously Santarelli to me is 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 still at the pinnacle uh of of his game on Definitely. that one. You know what? I kind of I I would have liked to see Samantha Fabrice come in even if it was just like a, you're doing a double sub situation or you bring her in for a few rotations just to give Boscovich a time to resettle, you know, um take a breath on the bench and then get back out there. Oftentimes in like Fabrice like I rate her you know, like she's she's a good player and she can go up and put up some numbers, maybe not at the level of a Tiana Boscovich or a Paolo Ogonu, or she's like she's not in that upper echelon, but she does give it a little bit of a different look. Like she's a righty as opposed to a lefty. I would have liked to, to have seen that change. Like it's the last game of, of the season. You're getting kicked here. Try something different, right? Like especially towards the end of of, of fourth uh, that fourth set like you could tell where it was going I would have liked to see Fabrice come in a little bit more just to kind of put all the marbles on the table a lot similar to the way that Canigliano brought in Alexa Gray in that last match of of the uh, the, the women's championships uh, last last weekend you if you've got a horse on the bench just let her run for a little bit and I do yep. think that Samantha Fabrice is a horse and we didn't get to see that at all yeah, when your back is against the wall, you're getting smoked. You, you, you have a, a player on the other side putting up an all-time performance against you. Your setter's not playing well. Your your workhorse opposite's not playing well. You have to change something, and Akbash just didn't. So uh, we'll talk about Adzajabash's sort of disappointing season later on in the show, but I do want to talk a little more about Paola Egonu and the season yeah. that she had and the performance that she had in the final. Uh, great point by our, our friend Brian Andre in the chat. Egonu. Uh, this is her third Champions League final match in a row, dropping 40. <laughs> That's nuts. 41 two years ago with Corneliano in a win, 40 last year with Corneliano in a loss, and 40 this year with Vakabank in a win. But the thing is that those previous two matches were five setters. This one was a four setter, and she still got to 40 points. And it was an up and down season for Vakabank as a team. It was a little bit of an up and down season for Paula Egonu as a player. But when when the cards were on the table, when the best was required to win the biggest match of the year, she put up maybe the best performance we've seen maybe ever in a Champions League final. It was just amazing. Yeah, I definitely think her performance this year ups like tops those 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 past two. And you're right, like I forgot that she dropped forty in the the the, the past two, which is kind of crazy to think about, but <laughs> but she she definitely did. Of course, last year was was in a losing effort, but this year doing it in four sets and just the way that she was doing it, like it was impressive. She continues like when when the bell is rung in those clutch situations, she she answers it right. 
And there's so many players that we talk about who kind of shy away from those big moments. I like Jason Tatum, but man, Paolo. <laughs> ouch. Pa- yeah. The, ouch. The shot there. <laughs> that, that, that was a, def- a definitive shot to any Celtics fans out there. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you do in the regular season. It matters what you do in those, in those gut check times. And man, Paolo Agonu, she's clutch, right? Like, you can put her up with MJ. She is so clutch. And the way that she gets herself up for these big matches, um, you just know that you, you know that if you're going up against Paolo Agonu, you have to play, you have to beat her before the finals or right. yep. play an absolutely perfect match, which is exactly what Ivaka Bank did last, last year where they played absolutely perfect to be able to beat Canigliano. But man, she's just, we're so lucky to be able to get to watch Agonu do, do what she does right now. Like she, she has to be starting to cement herself as one of the greatest women's volleyball players of all time. And what is she? 23, 24 <laughs> years old. Exactly. Yeah. Just unbelievable. 40 points in four sets on 491 attack efficiency is, is an all time, all time performance. And I agree with you. It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. They don't get up, give out any trophies for that. This isn't hockey where they have the stupid president's trophy. That makes absolutely no sense that they give out to the best regular season team. No, screw that. Trophies, championships, championship matches in the playoffs are how legacies are cemented. And, and this was just an all-timer. It really was. I think Paolo Agonu is who Leon wishes he was. Oh, man. Wow. Uh, I mean, I think you've forgotten that Leon won four Champions Leagues in a row of his own. I th- that's entirely another conversation, but... Uh, it's it's what Leon probably wishes he was doing right now. Right now, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe a bit of a pop off, but I still st- I still stand by that she has been absolutely phenomenal, and it's even more exciting in in women's volleyball just because of how many other fantastic players that we have. You know, if you look at the Volozhs, if you look at the the Vargases, of course, um, Boscovich when when she's on her game. I don't know if women's volleyball has ever been at a better place than right now. It's awesome. And the parody this year was at an all-time high, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap all that up later on in the show. But one more gigantic congratulations to Vakif Bank and a personal congratulations to the two Americans, Karabayama and Chaka Bogu. Uh, more Champions League hardware coming back to the States, which is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It was, uh, it was awesome to see the, it, during the celebrations all four Americans, uh, Bayama, Ugbogu, Smith, and Shoji all celebrating together. Uh, that that was great for an American fan like myself. It was it. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. And <laughs> I, I think that's a good segue, Everett, to the men's match, which happened later on Saturday. One of the great matches I have ever watched. One of the most thrilling back and forth, nutty, crazy games of volleyball ever. And it results in an instantly legendary performance by Zaksa Kenzirjin Kojle three-peating the Champions League, three championships in a row for a Polish team is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, three to two over Yashemski Van Gil, 15 to 12 in the fifth. Uh, I'm, there's, there's so much to get into about this. But what start at the top, Everett. What does it mean to you for this team to have won three Champions Leagues in a row? Put in perspective how big of a deal that actually is. I think they the they're up there like that that to me is greatness, you know? It 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 just it just truly is. You know, they're up there amongst the 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 upper echelon of the best clubs in the world for all of perpetuity, right? Yeah, it it ab- just 
it, it it just puts them up there with the with the Modenas, with the Lubes, with the Zenekazans. It it really cements them as an elite club and quite possibly right now the elite club in all of volleyball. I know Zenit Kazan would have something to say about that considering they're not in these 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 major competitions. Um but just the way and and I think one thing is is important to remember too is that you know if you look at Italy and Russia and, and Poland, Poland has the least amount of foreigners. And you can't stack up your bench and have all these foreigners. So the fact that they're doing it with with homegrown talent from Poland, the fact that they're 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 building a, cl- a club from the bottom up, they're not just spending a lot of money, is is absolutely phenomenal. But um, I think not only is this massive for Zaxa, and they've cemented themselves as right now they're the best club in the in the world, no doubt about it. You've won three straight Champions Leagues, like that that type of consistency, no one else can recreate. Um, you can make the argument for Lube and how many Scudetto finals have, have they been to? Of course, Zenit Kazan as well, but we won't get into all, all of that issue. But to me, uh, Zaxa is the most elite volleyball club in the world right now. But more importantly, I think that Zaxa winning the way that they have really puts the Pusliga uh, up there at the top. Um, and the fact that they beat Trentino, who is now the Scudetto champions, in the first round. Um, and then you go on to beat... Perugia in the in the second round, and who up until that point they that team was un, un, unbeatable. Man, that like that's just crazy. And the fact that Zaxa wins this match in 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 the way they did by getting a little bit of revenge on JSW, so that means JSW is just as quality as them. Just this shows how much growth the Plus Liga has had, and how it's become maybe the most elite destination for men's volleyball right now. It's it's incredible. It's incredible what Zoxa did. An all-time playoff run. We, we've seen them in, in all the, of these Champions League runs, except for last year when I think they got to advance through a round for free because of like the last-second disqualification of some of the yeah. Russian teams. But like you can't put an asterisk on this run. Xavier Che in a play-in round. They had to play one more round in the playoffs than had ever even existed before because they got second in their pool to Trentino. Xavier Che in the play-in round. Trentino in the quarterfinals. Perugia in the semifinals and revenge on Yashemsky, like you said, after getting stomped, Shit. stomped in the Plus League fight, absolutely mangled. destroyed, and they they took that that ten day off period. They completely reset the momentum of the series of the matchup, and honestly, and we'll get into the match here in a second. They should have won this thing in four. This shouldn't have even gone to the fifth set. Uh, if Bednors doesn't hit a wide open net ball out of bounds on championship point against Tony Uti alone, like this is a three one and and an absolute beatdown in the third set at twenty five to fourteen. Like it was only t- a team like Zaxa, only a club with the culture of Zaxa, could respond to getting smoked in the Plus Liga final like that. Nobody else could have responded like that. Nobody no. else would have had the maturity to to do what they just did. And I, I totally agree with you. Three Champions Leagues in a row, undisputed best club on the planet, no questions asked. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I think we need to go back to what we talked about with the Vakif Bank as well, is that this is their their maturity and their experience showed out, Yep. right? Because we talked about it last week. It's a different scenario than playing in the Plus Liga, right? That that becomes very familiar. You know, you're riding, you're riding the buses to and, to and from. It's a normal bus ride, or you're playing at home. You're playing in in a, a stadium that you more or less recognize even when you even you're 
you're playing around Polish people, they're, they're speaking your language, all of these things. And then you go to the Champions League finals and there's all of this build up. You know, they have the player introduction and you've got, you know, fireballs going off and all of this production value going on for, for the Champions League finals. One team you could tell had been there and the other team had it. And I mean, let's be honest, after that first set, JW was looking pretty good. They started off pretty well in the, in the second set too. And then Zaxa, Zaxa started to come back. And that's really where their experience came through. I mean, I think David Smith with Smith was the with the MVP was very well deserved. Um, dude was a monster in all areas of the game. Remember after like because in their first championship he got subbed out in the in the finals. They brought in uh, Reno in instead to, to to play in the middle over David Smith, and we were talking about it. Well, this is back in 2021 to be like, you know what? David Smith's probably done. You know, he's probably going to be done after the Olympics. Dude has been Benjamin Button out there getting better every season. Like it's just been phenomenal to watch. Smith was so good this match. And it wasn't just like the normal middle blocker stuff. He was, he was Zox's best server. Yep. He was, uh, he, I just watched, I rewatched the match today and was blown away by the impact that he had on the fifth set. Gets them on a service run immediately sets an out-of-system ball that Bednorz puts away, which was high degree of difficulty and something you never expect the middle to do. He dug the next ball to keep his service rally alive, which, which again, you never expect the middle to do that. Also puts up 13 points on 7-for-9 attacking with no errors, four blocks and two aces, plus like all, all the, the service runs, like not just the, the service attempts. Uh, he served, yeah, 21 total times. Like that is... The, the impact that a middle can have on a game obviously is so limited by the nature of the position, but Smith was everywhere, plus the championship winning kill in the fifth set. And I, I mentioned Bednar's hitting that ball out of bounds in overtime in the fourth that would have won it. When, when, when they got that free ball, which all started from a David Smith block that was barely covered and sent back over, Smith hand-passed that ball. I was screaming at Janusz to set the man. If he sets that ball to the middle, it ends in four instead of goes the outside. But Absolutely. Smith was amazing. He's, what, 36, maybe even 37. And like you said, he's just getting better. He's getting mm-hmm. better every year. It is just incredible, that performance. And you, got, you better believe that, that him having been there before made a massive, massive difference. I think this... The choice to because I remember like when back in 2021 when they signed Smith to to another contract, both you and I are like, what are they doing? You know, and it just shows how aware Zaxa is of their players and how in tune they are, right? Like, there's been such little turnover on this team for for however many years, and time and time again, we're seeing the the players who leave this team go do worse elsewhere. Like, totally. if you look at the if you look at the major team players who have left this team. Semenyuk, terrible season this year, right? In in terms of his, I wouldn't say terrible. That's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. I don't think it was that bad, but it wasn't up to his standards, right? Kokonowski for me has like absolutely fallen off the map. And he was such a central part of, of that Zaxa team back in, in 2021. Tony Uti, I think he did. He's that one guy who still had a pretty good season. Didn't have that great of a game in, in this one. No, um, and I want to get into that. Yeah, but ultimately like, it just and then not only are they able to keep that team together, but when they bring someone in, they don't miss a beat, right? 
um, you've, you've filled those massive holes of, of all those guys that we just talked about. Sure, it took them a little bit of time to fill the hole of Semenyuk. Um, who, did, who, who did they bring again? Karyagin earlier this year, and that just yeah, did that, not work. No, but they were know, able that was to never going to work. <laughs> they were able to go get Bednarz, and Bednarz was fantastic for them. Albeit not in the Plus League Finals, definitely in the Champions League side of things. So to me, like this back to the conversation, Zoxa is the best organization right now in men's volleyball. For sure. Yeah, it's it's without question. So uh, let's take a look at some of the stats from the final match. Um, serving ace to air ratio was a big one for me. Nine to 18 for Zoxa versus six to 25. To 25. For Yashemsky, that is way too many. In particular, the fourth set alone, I think Yashemsky missed 10 serves out of bounds, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Eight. Eight serves missed out of bounds in the fourth set alone. And total, they made 15 errors in the the fourth set total. Now, it, it went overtime. It went 30 to 28. But they gave 15 points away for free in the fourth set. 25 total service errors in the match. Way too many. 17 blocks for Zoxa versus Jaszczemski's 10. Big difference there. Uh, kill percentages, very similar, but uh, attack efficiency, 303 for Zoxa, 241 for Jaszczemski. That that comes down to the unforced errors. Uh, eight attack errors for Zoxa, 13 for Jaszczemski. Passing numbers, pretty similar. Actually, Jaszczemski's were a little bit better. And again, Everett, I think if, if you can synthesize all these numbers and point to one thing, this was a bad setting performance by Benjamin Toniuti. It was bad. Yeah, it, and, it, and then when they brought was. in Amy Terraporti, it didn't get any better. What happened? Uh, I, honestly, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think maybe it was just a, an off day. I just saw in the comments somewhere that Gerbich said that the level that JSW presented in, in the finals was some of the best volleyball he's ever seen. And it was. And, and it that totally and was. It was hard to keep that level up, right? Um, I think you saw players like Stefan Boyer, you know, you talk about that fourth set. He was negative efficiency in that fourth, fourth set, three for 12 with five errors, um, right? Um, whereas on the other side, you have Thomas Fornal going 12 or nine for 12. Um, and he, he got blocked once with no, with no unforced errors. So, you know, it, it's that type of, of realization where, you know, if you're JSW, like you, you need to recognize who your hot hand is, and it didn't seem like they were. And the, then they bring in the six-two, which I just don't really get. With the exception of taking Tony Uti out of the front row because he's a really small blocker, that's the only reason I kind of get that. But, but Turfo Pretty isn't that much bigger. No, and Hadrava's terrible at everything. <laughs> like, well, why, why, why are you bringing this guy off the bench in the Champions League final? You know he's going to waffle a ball to the back wall in a key situation. You know he's going to get stuff blocked in a key situation. Both of which absolutely happened late in the fourth, late in the fifth. You know he's going to uh, just bury a serve into the middle of the net. Why, are, why, why, why are you making me watch Jan Hadrava in a Champions League final? But even like M- Mendez, if you're trying to win this match that's not the move how can you not know by now that Jan Hadrava against Zaxa in particular is not going to get the job done it doesn't matter if Boyer is, is making attacking errors that's fine keep Tony Uti in the significantly better setter and set the ball to Tomas Fornal wherever he is on the court I, I don't understand what was so hard about this and, and after after Yashimsky was so good I, I agree with you and the reading Gerbich's comments uh, about the the level that Yashemsky played at in those Plus Liga finals were absolutely insane, and nobody was going to beat them in that series. How do you not learn anything from that? 
how, how do you how do you not make any adjustments to the way your offense works after you get smoked 25 to 14 and then even though you win the next set it's well one it was gifted to them but you make all those unforced errors from bad set choices and bad setting location it was just very confusing yeah i mean to me mendez got out coached in this one like yeah, he did seminal ready well was absolutely ready and like once again we like looking back to Perugia, it's really good it's really easy to coach a team when things are work are going good and when things are rolling and that's clearly to me what happened for uh for jsw in the plus league finals you do have to wonder though if this game was played one weekend before would the results still be the same Maybe not. Maybe not. That, that 10 days off was a long time. And exactly like we were talking about on last week's show, uh, uh, you called it that, that, with that with that huge reset period, Zoxa of all teams was going to take that time and use it to their advantage. And they did. They absolutely did. It completely halted the momentum of a team that was playing their best volleyball at, at playoff time, made them completely reset, go to a weird environment and try and do it again. And it turns out they couldn't do it. Yeah, and absolutely. And I mean, it just, once again, it just goes back to the quality of what Zaxa, Zaxa brings just game in and game out, year in and year out. Um, you know, they are the Miami Heat of men's volleyball. No <laughs> doubt about it. No yep. doubt about it. It is funny that uh, with these three championship Champions League wins for Zaxa, it's been with three different coaches. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine that? Gerbich, then Kretsu, then Samelvoo. That, that's that's wild. That, that That's really, really Zaxa culture, if you want to take the Miami Heat thing, heat culture that they have. They've had the consistency with Spolstra, but uh, that, that that Zaxa organization. And I think this, I think it's worth asking the question. I know we were going to bring it up later in the show, but I think it's worth talking about now. Who wins? Mm-hmm. Who wins? Yeah. Zaxa or JSW? Given the last three weeks, uh, JSW's completely dominant Plus Liga final performance, winning their second title in Poland in three years, but then Zaxa winning their third Champions League in a row. Who wins? It's it's a tough one. It, it really is. I think I'm going to lean towards Zoxa. Now, if this was their first, if if this was, the, they had just won the Champions League and they hadn't done it three in a row, I would lean towards JSW. But the, the, you can't discredit the history that Zoxa's done over the past few years. So for me, because they've completed the three-peat, and I mean, there's not many other teams in the volleyball world who have been able to do that. Um, and funnily enough, of the three years they've done it, JSW has won the Plus Liga twice, um, <laughs> That's true. which is which is awesome. But to me, you know, you won the last game of the season, right? Yep. It's almost as that yep. same question of do you want silver or do you want bronze? Because trust me, you're going to leave a lot happier with bronze around your neck than silver because you're leaving on a loss. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, the Champions League is bigger than than the Plus Liga. Yes, it so is. I. I would have to say you would rather be Zoxa right now. Yeah, I, I would much rather be Zoxa right now. I mean, the, the players that were there for all three of those Champions League wins, so Smith, Kaczmarek, and Schliefka, I think are really the only ones. Maybe maybe Huber was there the first one. Maybe. Uh, no, I. He, if anything, he was on the bench. I don't think he was because it was Smith and Kokonovsky that year. Yeah, I think it's just Kaczmarek, Schliefka, and Smith. Three Champions Leagues in a row is like instant Hall of Fame status. If, you, if that that is as good as anything you can ever accomplish in your volleyball career, and then all these guys who have now won two in a row: Janusz, Shoji, 
Huber. Like it's amazing, amazing, amazing what they have accomplished. And I bet, and I know Eric showed you he's a friend of the show. I hope he's either watching or is going to watch it uh, now back in back home in Hawaii. But well, he, I've, he did DM us on Instagram on the nine by nine account saying that he can't wait to watch this show. Okay, so big, well, big shout out to Eric Shoji. Congratulations on, on that uh, dub. Amazing. And and he was so good. So good in the final so pass, good. passing nails under the biggest pressure. But I, I I'll, I'll text him later on and, and ask him if, uh, who he'd who he would rather be like would he trade that champions league win for the plus league finals win and i would i would expect that he'd probably say he wouldn't i i personally would rather be zaxa in this moment yeah so just going through the teams that have won three in a row uh the first team to win three in a row was ac- actually bucharest of romania did it back in the 60s um then you had csk moscow won four in a row in the 70s um Fast forward a little bit more to the A's. CSK Moscow did it again four in a row. Um, Ravana won three in a row in the early 90s. Uh, Trentino won three in a row uh, from 28 to two, or 2009 to 2011. And then, of course, Zenit Kazan in the, the 2010s. So, like, almost every decade there has been a three-peat of the Champions League. That's crazy. That is crazy. Okay, well, what is it? I think you could ask, what is it about that competition that produces repeat winners? And I think it's experience. I think once you've gotten there, it you what you gain from getting there is just is so valuable towards getting there again and having success again. And it does look like Eric is in the chat. So, uh, Eric, thank you for watching. And congratulations, buddy. What, what an amazing, amazing accomplishment. Just all-time stuff. Hopefully that is actually Eric, unlike the Ace Hollywood that we have in the chat. That is definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) We do love the YouTube chat, by the way. So uh, keep getting active in there. Keep uh, sending us your questions. Or uh, unless you're Ace Hollywood, then you can uh, kindly delete your account. Stop watching the show. (laughs) But uh, I mean, just what a Champions League, man. What a season. What a run for Zoxa. Like they're... finishing second in their pool and having to go through that gauntlet i want to go back and find the soundbite because i did say and not it wasn't that i was calling that it was going to happen but i said something like if they do this like if they make this run given what their bracket path was if they make that run they they will just be all-time legends to make that run win three in a row and then here we are that that is the fact that they were able to make the run that they did and you beat the third place team from poland you beat the, the best team in team. the first place team in Italy, the up to that point, the number one team in the world, right? In Perugia. And then you beat the, the number one team in Poland. Like, you know, they're not playing against Berlin. They're not playing <laughs> against the Belgian teams. They're not playing against Friedrichshafen. And they had the toughest path and still won. And that to me is just absolutely legendary. What a way to cap off a three beat. Um, we we've just witnessed greatness, and now the big question is: is can they can they match CSK Moscow and Zenit Kazan and be the first team outside of Russia to get a four peat in the Champions League? Four, four. That four is 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 unspeakable stuff. But uh, we'll have to wait to talk about that until next year. I think that's it. Is that it for Champions League ever? Anything else we want to get to, or uh, can we move can we move on and keep working on putting a bow on this entire club season? Yeah, let's let's move on. Just what a fantastic Champions League. I already can't wait for next year's. Great, great, great stuff. Uh, before we move on, before we do that, 
uh, we want to talk about a couple things related to the show. The first is that volleyball.store as we get into the summer and as we get uh, starting to uh, show our faces in some places at some events. Uh, the best thing that happens to us is when people come up and say hi and when those people are wearing our merch. So ever tell them about that volleyball store. Before before we tell them, Eric, if you're still watching, are you going to be in Ottawa week one? I know you're in Hawaii, so I'm guessing probably not. But uh, let us know if you are, because we're we're going to be there, and we we, we will. Yes, we will be in Ottawa. That is confirmed. So uh, if 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 it's at all possible for any of you fans or uh, Eric as a player to get to Ottawa for VNL, uh, you should. We'll be there. Anyone but Ronnie Cuban Spike. Yeah, he's not invited. <laughs> your invi- your invitation invitation has been revoked. Um, yeah, that's 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 enough said. But of course, if you want to uh, look good like me, I can't see Rob because the software that we're using is an absolute potato right now. So I have no idea what <laughs> I have no idea what he's what he's wearing. Uh, you can over to head over to that volleyball dot store and use the code spicy for fifteen percent off. And uh, there's lots of good stuff on there. You got the spicy volleyball logo that Everett's got on. You got the nine by nine squared collections. Great stuff. So I uh, use the promo code for viewers of the show. Um, next up in the volleyball source universe is everyone's favorite segment. It's time for Where's Daddy? Uh, we love hiding Dragon Stankovic in random little assets uh, throughout the course of the show. Remember, if you find Daddy Stankovic and you comment where he is after the stream is over, you comment the timestamp of where Daddy is at. Uh, you get a shout out on next week's show. So on last week's show, uh, as we were talking about uh, another, you know, Everett and I have enjoyed clowning on Perugia the last couple of weeks, and we re- really added, you know, e- even even more fun talking about Monza beating Perugia in the fifth place series. If you look very closely, just on the very right edge of that photo right there, you see Daddy Stankovic standing in the first row. It might be over the coach's head or over like someone in the crowd. I, I honestly can't tell, but uh, that's where Daddy Stankovic was last week, and our friend Kiro Neri got it right away it was actually a mad dash in the comments for um, who is going to post this timestamp first so uh we, we've got quite the quite the rivalry going on with the where's daddy segment which we love to see so he he is somewhere in this show maybe he's already showed up maybe he will show up later on in the show but if you find daddy stankovic uh, post the timestamp of where he is after the stream is over and you get a shout out also, guys, this is going to be a perfect time for you guys to like this video and subscribe to Volleyball Source 2.0. Um, if you're watching us, like you already like us or you hate us and you want some chances to clown on us. So either way, give this video a like, give our um, give the, the, the our, our channel uh, a follow and uh, come follow us along because we are just about to step into the biggest time of the year. Right, Rob? Just remember, last year around this time, we were averaging around 250 viewers, <laughs> which we do in a live show now. Like we get 250 viewers who, who tune in live, and we're averaging almost 2,000 viewers. So um, it's only one up for here, from here, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure to like this show. We've already gotten a few more since I've asked. Like and subscribe, and uh, come along for the ride. Yeah, uh, we're getting into national team season very, very quickly, actually, and we'll talk about it later. A week from today, there are matches in the Women's Volleyball Nations League, which is nuts. But we've got a bunch bunch of videos planned, not just with the 9x9, which will continue to be on Tuesdays. But we're going to do some more previews, especially if you're a North American fan. Everett and I will dig into our respective national teams going into the Nations League. So uh, you better hop on board with Volleyball Source uh, entering into this summer national team season. Including with that is join the Discord. The Discord, the link is in the description. 
for the Volleyball Source Discord. It's the best online volleyball chat community in the world, and it's not even close. We've got people from all over the planet who are knowledgeable, who are connected, um, who make great memes. Uh, we like to make fun of Ronnie Cuban Spike. So uh, join in there. It's, it's, it's a really good spot, and it will be a, a very central place for VNL. So you're going to want to be in that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Rob, let's move on now to the the other thing to to tie it up all up Trentino is officially once again an a uh, uh, a scudetto champion their fifth Trentino's fifth scudetto ever their first since 2015 uh they win the scudetto final series 3 to 2 over Lubecchi de Nova and that that fifth match wasn't particularly close uh 3-0 at home 25-20 25-20 25-19 uh we were wondering on last week's show, Everett, would Trentino having lost on the road in game four, w- would that pressure really get to them? Uh, I no. thought that it might. You said that it wouldn't. You were absolutely right. They came out and dominated in just about every category. And uh, one of the fun things is we were in the Discord wondering how uh, how exactly the last point was going to be scored, like who Spertoli was going to go to. It turned out it was a setter dump, which was great. <laughs> so funny. Just threw it straight to the floor, immediately started celebrating. So huge congratulations to Trentino. Man, of all things that we could have expected at the beginning of this season, it, uh, Trentino beating Lube in the Scudetto final was not on among my likely things of, of predictions, but uh, congratulations to Trentino. They were the cleanest team by far and most consistent all season long. Yeah, absolutely. There's one thing that I think we got right, or there's one thing that I got right this year from the get-go is that I thought Trentino was going to be in the finals. That was that was the one thing. Like, if, if you look at how Zoxa started the year, right, we all thought they were going to be trash, right? They, 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 <laughs> Before they the finished, Bed Norris pickup, yeah. Like, like Zoxa finished fifth in the regular season in the Plus Liga, right? Just let, let, Let's just remember that. Now, they 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 finished even below Varsava, but they ended up winning that that uh, playoff round. Then to Rosovia, right? Yep. Yeah, you got it. Beat Sovia, and then of course lost lost to you know, lost to DSW. But Doxa was bad at the beginning of the season. Lube was bad at the beginning of the season. Peru was perfect at the beginning of the season. The only team that truly did like JSW was fantastic, although they they did pick it back up uh, at the end. They couldn't really cap it all off. But the only team that stayed true to themselves all year long had to be Trentino. They they have established an identity over the last three or so years since uh, going to the last two Champions League finals. They have stuck with that identity and they have reinforced kind of even even though they keep playing and losing to Zaxa Champions League. I think those two clubs are pretty darn similar. I think they're run similarly. I think the way that they have established success is similar. And the, the, the theme that I love is consistency, roster consistency. Um, in Trentino's case, coaching consistency, play style consistency, um, building that that program year over year to continued success has finally paid off for Trentino. They are no longer the bridesmaid. They are finally the bride, and I'm happy for them. Uh, I, I think they really deserve it. I love Ricardo Spertoli as a setter. I think he's so underrated, and I'm happy that he's taken this team to a title. And about this fifth match in particular, I think we were talking about in match four with how good Marlon Yant and Gabby Garcia were off the bench. It was very unlikely that those guys were going to be able to do that again. And sure enough, they weren't. Uh, Yant, not great. Botolo, very bad. Uh, horrific in reception. 
um nikolov okay not great garcia off the bench really bad and like Lube just didn't have it. They didn't have it. They, they, they spent all the gas they had in the tank. They got to the Scudetto final. They got to match five, which was way more than we would have expected from them at the beginning of the year. But in the end, they, they ran out of gas, and this was Trentino's turn. Yeah, absolutely. Like Trentino, you could tell that they just had that confidence that they just needed to kind of settle things down and go back to their game, right? And that if they got into another situation where Yanter, Garcia, or even Nikolov was having a, a, a fantastic game, that they would handle it in that situation. But, I mean, they didn't need to. They dominated, dominated in every every category. Outserved them. Outblocked them. Outhit them. Outpassed them. It was just utter domination. Like, even, like if you look at the passing numbers, 63 positive, 25% perfect for Trentino, 34 positive, 11% perfect for Lube. <laughs> 10 to 6 in blocking, 9 to 1 in service aces, and they both had 12 errors. So it was just an absolutely absolute domination there by Trentino. Um, and I think I think they deserved it. I, to me, they had to be the second best team after after Perugia on paper, and they got the job done at the end of the season. Yep. Uh, also, what on earth was Lube Chiva Nova thinking? Putting Mattia Gotardo in as a front court outside hitter. That was one of the most sad and pitiful attempts at playing offense I've ever seen. That was just just terrible. Truly Blangini clutching at straws. Nothing was going to work. This was Trentino's turn. Uh, Matej Kaziski at age 37 had a tremendous year. Uh, just amazing. MVP of this match at like 44% efficiency. Just no big deal. Age 37. Switching positions to full-time opposite. Like, come on. What a legend this guy is. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that I, I think that I might have seen his name on the preliminary roster for Bulgaria for Nations League this year. And boy, would that be something! Whoa, I'm I'm literally gonna go look this up right now because uh, <laughs> that that would be absolute insanity given the history that yes. uh, Kaziski has with the Bulgarian Federation. I think what I saw was no Sokolov, but they they might have Kaziski at least on the preliminary roster for VNL. Some if somebody knows that in the chat, please uh, please let us know. Um, but that would be crazy, and Matei across from his countryman Alex Nikolov who just beat in the final. That would be a heck of an outside hit of duo. Or he could play he could play on the right side in Sokolov's absence, whatever. He could play on the right side and given that uh Rado Parapunov has not really turned like uh, come to be the player that we we thought yeah. he might be. There is some room on the right side there. Uh but can Kaczynski pass good enough because we saw with Nikolov's passing, you know, it was a bit of an issue down the stretch there for for Lube. Can he handle it at the VNL level? Great question. So uh, we will preview all of these things in, in a, a series of videos heading into national team season about all these sorts of things. But uh, anything else to wrap up with the Scudetto, Everett? I mean, great series, great playoffs, especially like the, the biggest upset of all time with Milano beating Perugia in the first round. But game five itself was kind of anticlimactic. Game five itself was anticlimactic. There, there just wasn't much pushback at, at all. I mean, like 2019, uh, it was almost an hour and shower, an hour and yeah. 20 minutes. It's pretty close. You know, I think, you know, Lube was overextending themselves a little bit by getting to this point. The fact that they got to the fifth place, the fifth game in the finals, that to me is a win for Lube. Totally agree. Um, when you have the roster that, that you have and, uh, you've lost them to keep these paces 
for years past that you have. I think that's an absolute win uh, for for Lube. But fantastic, as you said, just a, a wonderful playoffs. The fact that only one series didn't go five, didn't go to the limit, <laughs> is is absolutely crazy. How good is right? that, man? Awesome. I guess I guess two if you count the uh, the third place series as well. Oh yeah, that was a three dong for Piacenza. I forgot about that. Yeah, amazing Scudetto playoffs. I mean, we'll, nobody will ever forget Milano being Perugia, uh, and nobody will ever forget Trentino being the champions this year. It doesn't matter, even if match five was kind of boring. Uh, Trentino will have this forever. It is their fifth title in history. So, congratulations to them. Yeah, awesome. It's just just so much greatness so much greatness whole lot of greatness to celebrate around this time in the year everett and it's it's time it's time to look back on the entire year that was in international club volleyball there were so many games so many tournaments so many trophies to be handed out but i think it is kind of worth looking right now at the final trophy count of the sort of the major competitions on the men's and the women's side and uh, look at some trophy cases for this year. So oh, don't uh, do exotic Basha dirty like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys. Uh, so might as well start with that on the women's side. We got Corneliana with four titles. Uh, they won all three tournaments in, in Italy. They won the club world championship. The only thing they missed out on was champions league that belonged to Vakif bank who won the champions league as well as the Turkish cup for their two trophies. But um, certainly was going to be difficult for them following up winning all five trophies last year. Fenerbahce with two trophies of their own, uh, the Super Cup and the Sultan Marligi, which is very impressive. And unfortunately, a big old goose egg for Zajabasha, kind of like we talked about earlier, despite going 26-0 and in the regular season. And then on the men's side, parody. Parody, parody everywhere. Uh, dead split in Poland, two each for Zaksa and Yashimski, two for Perugia, the Super Cup and the Club World Championship. Trentino won the Scudetto, and Piacenza, out of nowhere, won the Italian Cup. This was, um, I think, parody is the right word to describe this club volleyball season, right? Yeah, and I love it. You know, as much as I love the greatness of, of when a team just runs the table, and that's why I was rooting for Perugia to go all the way, I also love when you have no clue what's going on and, and, and what's <laughs> going to happen. Not, not what's going on, because, you know, we have a decent grasp of what's going on, but what's going to happen, right? There's just so much quality. Uh, up there and I mean hell you could even put the CEV Cup champions with Modena uh, winning on on the men's side and who was it Scandici no, on the women's, women's side yeah yep. so uh, abs- absolutely love it um, Canigliano so close to having that perfect season if it wasn't for that quarterfinal matchup against Fenerbahce yeah they, they it was it was the quarterfinal. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. They 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 caught Fenerbahce at a time when nobody was going to beat Fenerbahce. Uh, similar to when uh, Vakif Bank and Zaj Basha both caught him in the Sultan Marligi playoffs. Yeah, so that really that 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 last three weeks of the Turkish league season on the women's side was as chaotic and fun as any volleyball I've watched in a long time. Just the the back and forth with with they had so much catching up to do with the schedule and. Vakif Bank winning the cup and then getting beat in a golden set to get knocked out of the playoffs and and that final series the way it was that was incredibly fun stuff uh, and then it, I just really like looking back on the Copa Italia on the men's side when Piacenza won that tournament and when they beat Perugia and that now being like so strongly in my memory as the beginning of what of the the Perugia downfall which we've documented well on this show oh, that was really baby. crazy to look back on huh oh baby I mean. Not counting the fifth place playoffs because that's some Mickey Mouse shit. Of course, that 
that like they won 29 straight matches up until that point and they went six and six and six over the course of the next two months is month that and a half. true yeah oh my yeah. they goodness. went they went six and six after that um so it's just a massive downfall <laughs> include including including losing four in a row uh to end their season two to milano two to zaxa so that was wow. truly the catalyst that that one lost and man it just you could just tell that I mean, there's, there's. I, I definitely want to talk about this maybe in a little, another form about Perugia because that was the biggest breakdown of all time that that we've seen. But you could tell that they were just kind of floating along, just based off of good individual performances, and that just pr- broke their perfect bubble, and everything started to erode away after that. I will be interested to see Piacenza next year because they did get third, so they do get that Champions League bid birthday they, they will be playing champions league next year they do have a fantastic roster right it's basically and, the same they're keeping it, pretty much all of it as far as i know for next year too yeah it, it is basically the same when you look like you know you've got simone you've got uh Brizard, like that's a absolutely fantastic roster can they take a step up and be more consistent and be more a threat throughout the season next year we'll have to see yeah, great question. So uh, we've got a, a couple fun little segments we want to do uh, to wrap up the club season before we get out of here tonight. Uh, the first one, I'm, I'm calling it season superlatives. Uh, Everett and I have gone through and picked some of our some just some of the best, worst, you know, superlative things about this club season. And with it being so, so with so much parody, it was honestly really hard to pick some of these things. I had to think really hard about who I was going to give some of these awards to. But let's start with our MVPs, Everett. And this was very, very difficult because of the 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 inconsistency of, of who was good at what times, both in teams and individual players. But let's start on the men's side for MVP. If you had to give an MVP of all of European club volleyball this year on the men's side, who would it be? Uh, I think it had to be Tomas Fornal. And about a week or so ago, I wouldn't have thought that. And then you, you and me and, and uh, Christian from uh, Christian Smith from Electric Volleyball are having a conversation just about who to bring for the Polish team. And I started looking to it and statistically for now had the best season out of all of the top, all of the top Polish outsides. And that's literally all of the top <laughs> outsides in the world right now, like Leon and Semenyuk, the way that for now ran his team. And, you know, we saw it once again in, in like the, we talked about how there was no reason for JSW to win that fourth set. It was because for now went nine for 12. Absolutely. Right? Attacking. He was, the best passer on the team. He was the best attacker uh, consistently. He was so efficient. He was playing defense. He just doesn't serve all that well. So for me, Tomas Fornal, he may have put himself in a position where it, it may be impossible not to start him in uh, in in the in the VNL this year. I do not envy Nikola Gerbic and the decisions that he's about to have to make. Oh, what a nightmare. But funny enough, I had the exact same pick. Uh, I also picked Tomas Fornal. Um, Also, the Plus Liga just today named him the MVP of the Plus Liga season. I think that's really well-deserved, and I think what it came down to for me is consistency. A lot of other players had spells where they were amazing. Like There was the time where we talked about on the show when Bartosz Bednors was playing like the best player in the world. Um, him and Thomas Jeschke both had amazing runs there, but since they came over halfway in, in the season from China, I didn't really consider them for a season-long award. Um, Fornal was just amazing all season long. He was Yashimsky's most important player, and he was consistent 
from start to finish. And I totally agree. He's my he's my MVP on the men's side because there wasn't really another there wasn't a singularly dominant player. He, I just think, was the most consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully agree with that. That's that's my reasoning for me too. But he was quite dominant at times as well. Yeah, he was. All right. How about the women's side? Who's your MVP of the of the season on the women's side? Oh, this one's going to be a little bit tougher, um, just because there is so much ups and downs uh, on the women's side. But I'm going to go. I'm going. I think I'm going to go with Irina Fedorovsky. I just think that, especially from the baseline, like if you look at some of her serving numbers in the Champions League and in Turkey, she was absolutely incredible. And to me, you know, Fenerbahce doesn't win that championship uh, w- without her. So, yeah, I'm going to go Arena Federitseva, although that one's a lot more difficult for me on the women's side because there's so many people you could go to. Yeah, that's true. I think, like, th- I, I agree with what you just said. There's no chance that Fenerbahce wins either of their two trophies without Fedorovtseva. And there's also no way they beat Corneliano in that Champions League quarterfinal without her. That The level of serving that she displayed at, at certain times this year was the best in women's volleyball history. And I, I will really stand by that. Um, but my pick is Joanna Volos. Uh, yeah, I was, another like, good one. Looking at, looking at the list of trophies, like we just were a second ago, Corneliano had more than anybody else. Uh, and they missed out on Champions League, but they had they they, they dominated their country. They, they won all three tournaments in Italy and they won the Club World Championship. And they, they, they had to work really hard to do those things. They dealt with some serious inconsistency from their outside hitter position, which we've talked about a lot on this show. But I really think that Joanna Volos is head and shoulders above every other female setter in the world right now. I think she is so special the way that she can manage not only not only the setting of the offense and how technically good she is, but her presence and the way that she manages egos and appetites of different offensive players and the way that she got Isabel Hawk immediately back to being one of the best players in the world in a new system. Like she really is so, so, so impressive. And I have so much faith in any team that she's ever on to be good because of her. So uh, she's going to be my MVP on the women's side this year. Yeah, to be honest, I was thinking about her, and then I saw that you picked her, and I was like, I can't, I can't pick the same one uh, <laughs> as Rob. Um, I mean, I, I know there's a few that we do because they were just obvious, uh, but she's she is truly so good. Um, the other one I also thought about was Macris. My, I thought Macris has a, had a had a fantastic year for uh, for Fenerbahce as well. Yeah, she did, but yeah, Volos is is head and shoulders above even Macris in in impact and just in all around setting ability. I just love love watching her play. So she's my pick. Uh, how about the breakout player category? Somebody relatively new to the scene, somebody who made a really big impact this year. Uh, you pick men's or women's. Where do you want to start with that one? I'm going to start with the men's, and I'm going to go with Alex Nikolov. Uh, I thought that Alex Nikolov was absolutely fantastic. He helped the team all the way to Game 5 of the finals. And, you know, we were questioning if we would see him at all this year. He's, what, like 18, 19 years old, played one year at LBSU, and then comes to one of the most prestigious clubs in the world and makes an immediate impact. You know, like there's there's guys ahead of him who have been battle-tested, like Botolo, like uh, like Yant, um, and yet they had to go with, with Alex Nikolov, and you know they needed him so much on the court that they convinced Ivan Zaitsev to pass the ball, right? <laughs> and that they Great they point. changed they changed they needed Alex Nikolov on the court so much that they changed up their entire system to to really cater to his strengths, right? Now, can he figure out the passing stuff? I truly think he can, Me but too. that jump. 
that jump from the NCAA to being a starter in the Superliga is an absolutely massive one. Um, and they got better once he started getting out of that that rotation. But time and time again, he was putting up fantastic offensive performances. We were lucky enough to see him last year at the VNL in Ottawa. And I just, uh, to me, he continuously impressed me just from his attitude and, and his demeanor. And I, I know he's only going to get better from here. Right. Yeah. Like, sure, we... we pointed out some of his bad performances this year but you've got to put it in perspective the kid is 19 and he played in the ncaa last year and i i every point you made i love like they he was so valuable to lube in his first year that they had to bend their entire lineup strategy and play style around having him be as successful as they could and that is Really, really remarkable. So uh, I, I love Nikolov. I love watching him play. I think he's going to be one of the great superstars in the game over the next 10, 15, even 20 maybe years. Um, I, I love but, uh, Sorry, just to wrap ahead. one thing up with Nikolov real quick. I love the dynamic of Matej Kaczynski and Nikolov going toe-to-toe uh, at the end there. Um, just because those are like two... This is like a, a, a formal passing of the legend. torch. The pass, the passing of the torch. Absolutely. The only thing better would be if Sokolov was in there too. <laughs> Back in his Lube days, that would have been a fun series. Um, all right, my breakout player on the men's side is Maxim Saposhkov. Uh, Nikolov was an easy pick, but I. Yeah, I, I really thought back to the beginning of the year, like when uh, when me and Tommy Blizzard did the Super League preview all the way back in like September, whenever that was. I was like, who is this seven foot three Russian guy in Verona's roster? Like, he's got to be like just a sort of a project practice player. Like, there's no way that they're not going to start Namori Kata on the right side. And, you know, the way we were talking about Verona all year. And then this Saposhkov guy comes out like at the very beginning of the year and is putting up like 30 points on 70% efficiency out of nowhere. And he, he, he slowed down a bit, like people figured him out, but the impact that he had, and I think he, he truly defines breakout player because he came out of nowhere nowhere out of nowhere to Dude, being w- one of the one of the most like explosively explosive impactful and fun players to watch in, in club this year and he's going to modena next year and i really like that move and next year's modena roster i actually like a lot more than this year's like i was saying in the discord the other day so uh Saposhkov with a huge huge year i'm really curious to see if he hits the sort of sophomore slump that some players do but honestly i kind of feel like he may have already adjusted to that and gotten over it a little bit i I expect him to have a really good year next year so uh shout outs to him not not often do you see a guy that big come in so far under the radar and be so impressive right away yeah absolutely and i mean i think maybe that was the case where they were expecting to have keda on the right side and the saposhkov came in and blew everyone away although that's just pure purely you know me guessing uh, I do think that another person on the, could be Namuri Keita on that list. I know he wasn't necessarily a newcomer because he put up some fantastic points in the Korean league over the past few seasons. But let's I, be I honest, think that counts. Yeah, that, counts I think I ab- absolutely counts. Like you're you're young, you're coming in from the Korean league, and I still think he was fantastic. Um, probably a better passer than we give him credit for. No, he's not. <laughs> ab- absolutely electric offensively. So yeah, you, you you have to you you have to give him credit, and then the chat is also saying Mike Ma'a as well. I don't think that's I don't think Mike Ma'a was a breakout player. He's been good in the Plus Liga for a couple of years. He was great at Katowice last year. I agree. I, yeah, yeah. That, that that doesn't define a breakout player for me. Uh, but it's like guys like Saposhkov, Nikolov, and I think Kata counts. I think that absolutely would have counted as a breakout player. 
Uh, how about on the women's side? I, I certainly know that my pick is the one that everybody in the chat has been saying, and that's Anna Christina. Of- and that, I'm, I'm just going to jump. Yeah. I think I, I tried. I, well, no, I was just going to say you can go for it because I'm just going to jump on your pick because <laughs> I, I was racking my brain and trying to find another young player who had broken in and impacted and there was no one even coming close to Anna Christina. Yeah. The other, the only other names that came to mind for me were a couple of the younger Coneliano middles, like Marina Lubion, uh, Federica Squarcini. Like I both thought had really good, like kind of first primary years, but nowhere near the impact that Anna Christina had on Fenerbahce. And I know she was on the team last year when she was 18, but she never played. And she, she ended up being so good this year at age 19 that they benched a Turkish player to bring her in in Turkish competition. Like they, they, they used a foreigner slot on her across from another 19 year old outside hitter. And she, Ana Cristina defined helped to define so much of Fenerbahce's really sort of groundbreaking play style. And again, at only age 19, I think she was the, the clear slam dunk pick in that category. Yeah. Without a doubt, hundred percent. There's no one that even comes clear close to how, how well she's doing. And if you look at someone like Dana Retke, you know, who had such a massive impact for Malonza last year when she came in from the NCAA and kind of fizzled out since then, like we barely saw Retke and she's two, three years older than, uh, than, right. uh, than Anna Christina. Right. So Anna Christina, you know, unbelievable, but we also saw her do quite well at the world championships this year. Uh, so the, it was just, it was just a big, big year for Anna Christina, but in my mind, no doubt that she was the best breakout breakout player on the women's side i agree all right how about the best match of the year now of all the matches that we talked about tricky uh tricky to narrow this down to one i definitely have one i think i'm gonna go with recency bias and i'm gonna say this past weekend's champions league um mostly because uh i had to watch quite a bit of it at work uh and it was a slow work day so i didn't have like had my phone propped up uh, and it was making me a bad employee for sure. Um, <laughs> drinks, drinks were moving slowly on, on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, but we weren't that busy. So it, it was fine. Um, it, it was just, it, it was just all the way to the wire. Um, I like outwardly groaned when bed Norse missed that shot in the fourth <laughs> set. Yeah. And my coworker was looking at me like, what are you doing? Like what's going on? Um, so yeah, I think just due to recency bias, I, I think I have to pick the, the final match. Fine. Yeah, that was extremely fun. I, I don't know if it was the highest level match of the year. I think it was a little sloppy on both sides because of the moment and that made yeah. it more fun. Like the, yeah. that, it, it easily would, would be up there for most fun match of the year for me. But for me, the best match of the year was the second leg of the Zaxa Trentino series in the Champions League quarterfinal. That one that that Trentino won in five, and then Zaxa won the golden set 15 to nine. That might have been the highest level match of the year. That was two heavyweight teams who ended up being among the best in the world. Uh, that, but like I said, I honestly think that they're kind of similar in how good and positive and influential their clubs are. But that series that they played was just incredible it, it was so good it was such a pleasure to to just kind of be a fly on the wall and watching those series and them having played so many so much over the last couple of years they played in pools like but th- that that second leg of that match was just amazing and that, that that's that one really stuck out to me for the year it's really like the trentino versus oxa is really becoming 
one of the best rivalries we have in volleyball. And I won't necessarily say it's a rivalry and like, like I don't think they hate each other's guts, you know, right, um, we're not going to see each other, you know, supporter groups going after each other, but just be based off of the, the, the magnitude of games that they've played. Um, and I will have to say though, Zaxa is absolutely leading in, in, in that category with all winning all three of the, the major, a series against these two teams in the past three seasons. Yep, that is absolutely true. Uh, last but not least, a very prestigious award. <laughs> oh, not really. That would be the Figure It Out Award of the Year, presented by Vero Volley Malonza for not being able to figure out what their team's name is, in addition to many other things. Uh, one caveat, Everett, is that Perugia is ineligible for this award because it's too obvious. <laughs> I think we've already clowned on them enough, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, if you had to give a figure-it-out award for the entire season uh, to a player, a team, a coach, whoever, uh, who would it be? I'm going to give it to Piacenza. Nice. Nice. Piacenza was a team that on paper at the beginning of the season looked like they were going to be fantastic. Um, And don't get me wrong. They they had two great spells. Yes, they won the Italian Cup. Good for you. You beat you two good matches. You had two good matches, and then yes, you did go to uh, go and win third place. Now you're going to the Champions League. But in between, were pitiful in the regular season, (laughs) so average. They were, and then you lost the Knack Rosalaire in the semifinals of the (laughs) CEV Cup. Like, just figure it out. There's no reason that Antoine Brizard and Robert Landy Simone and Leal and Lucarelli and Romano should be losing to Canac Rosalaire. There's no reason that they should be losing. And, and what were they? they? They finished fifth in the regular season, right? There's, there's, there's no reason for that. Um, so for their up and down, couldn't figure it out. They were fantastic sometimes, terrible others. At least they got rid of Bernardi. I'm yeah. saying... Piacenza is going to be my figure it out of the year award. A prestigious award. Uh, they finished six. They were 11 and 11. Like how, six, how is that team finishing 500? That, that's mind boggling with the roster that they had. Yeah. Um, my figured out of the year award is based on very recent news. And this is funny for a team that if you've been following the nine by nine since its inception, uh, we really had, or at least I had a great time clowning on Vibo Valencia last year when they were in the Superliga. Uh, they got relegated, which I thought was very funny and very well-deserved. Now they're back in the headlines because this year they played in the A2 division. They had way more budget than anybody else. They completely dominated the A2 division this this year. Actually, l- let me look at just how good they were um, in, in the regular season. Yeah, uh, 60 points. Next closest was 48. Uh, they, they dominated the playoffs. They, they beat Bergamo in the final series, nine to nothing in sets. They got promoted back to the Superlega and then promptly folded and ceased all volleyball activities. <laughs> Figure it out. What are you doing to, to spend all your club's money to win the A2 division? And then not only can you not afford to play in the Superlega, you just cease to exist. It's one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard of in my life for a, a, a club to, you know, play Superlega, get relegated, get promoted back, and then just cease to exist. Fascinating. Fascinating. And there's not, there, there's no other way to say it 
but figure it out. To Viva Valencia's management and whoever their sponsors are, I understand it might be a tuna company, whatever. Figure it out. That's a crazy story. Yeah, that sucks. No, there's no way to put it that that just sucks especially since from what i understand of like the geography of italian volleyball the majority of the teams are up in the north yep um whereas vivo is like one of those few teams down in the south and toronto is, is is the other one that's more or less less in the south so i just hate seeing teams leave volleyball yeah it's right not- it's not something that we see in other sports um and it it, it 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 just sucks. But man, considering that, like, what two, three years ago they finished third or fifth, yeah, fifth in the regular season. Yeah, with fourth, the, fourth the Falco and Shinanjese yeah. and Rosard and whatever year that yeah. was. They had a great year. Abuba and and all of yeah. that, and now they're no longer even competing. It's 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 really tough to see. It, it really is. It's it's tough to see how 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 much volleyball is struggling still. We've had some we have some very good activity in the chat ever since we've started this segment, but including for the figure it out of the year award, uh, lots lots of good ideas. We've got Glenn Hogue, Chemik uh, Polizze, Scrab Elchatov, uh, all the old Italian players who now coach. Uh, there's yeah, Ferhat Akbash we talked about earlier. There's there's a lot of very funny uh, picks in the chat for figure it out of the year. But yeah, I wanted to give it to Vivo Valencia like that. That is a that is a figure it out of epic proportions. Yeah, 100%. All right, you've got a couple other, uh, you, you added a couple other like sort of season-ending questions into our show notes, Doc Everett, that I, I, re- that I really liked. I, I really liked these before we kind of wrap up the show. Let's, let's yeah. dig into so, it. First and foremost, which undefeated team in the regular season was more disappointing, Perugia or Exagibasha? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 22-0 Perugia, 26-0 Exagibasha, but like, now this is hard because they're both tremendously disappointing. Uh, I think it, when you talk about disappointment, it comes down to expectations. I think this is Zajabasha team. They had Tiana Boscovich coming off of a world championship MVP, but the rest of their roster wasn't even close to as dominant on paper as Perugia's. I, I think mm-hmm. that the way that Perugia's team should have been to only win two trophies out of the five, even though Zajabasha won zero trophies yeah, out none, of the yeah. four. Like zero to go 26 and 0 and win zero trophies, that's really bad. But with I mean, they, their their middles were kind of, you know, kind of forgettable. You know, Sinead Jack, Laura Hireman off the bench, like Voronkova and Baladi on the outsides, kind of forgettable. Um Perugia's team, top to bottom was completely stacked at every single position and not only did they fail to win any trophies they lost their eighth seed in the first round of the playoffs which is so bad so yeah. I, I i think that perugia has to be more disappointing even though they did win two trophies this year yeah it was like at least perugia won trophies but exhaustion basha made it to the league finals and made it to the champions league finals yeah right yeah. And and lost there to two very very good teams. Whereas Perugia, you know, as we talked about it, just <laughs> lost to the eighth crumbled. seed. <laughs> lost to the eighth seed, right? So yeah. Well, sorry, excuse me. Thank you. Um, yeah, I I would have to go with Perugia as well. Like that to me is is just disappointing. And to be honest, though, look, whenever I watch Basha, like even in the league game, I was just never fully impressed. Same, same I, here. I I I never was like. 
this team blows me away. Whereas, like, we would not talk about Perugia just because of how dominant they were. And then all we could do was talk about Perugia because of how <laughs> terrible they were. So, yeah, I 100% think that Perugia has to be has to be more disappointing. All right. I've had, I've had so much the... fun making fun of Perugia this year, man. It's I, I'm almost sad to see it go. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, we there's still some things that we can we can talk about uh, with them. I think we need to wrap up this season a little bit with them and, and look forward because, oh man, it's 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 tough to look. Was bringing Agonu to Vakif Bank worth it? If you're a Vakif Bank fan, if you're on that part of that team, was it worth it? Hmm. So the, the for one year, what were, what were they paying her like one and a half million euro for that one year? So something off the charts like that. Was it worth it? Um, honestly, I kind of think that it, it was. Is, is it weird to say that? And maybe I'm completely blinded by the performance that she just put up over the weekend in the Champions League final. But like that match alone and, uh, and like the, the 500,000 euro check that that club received for winning that event because of Agonu's brilliance, I think... Um, I, I kind of think that it was worth it. And uh, we, we do know that that Egonu is on the move once again. It sounds like she'll be going to Malonza of all places, uh, which is ridiculous. But Valkyrie um, I, I, Bank won two trophies only. I know that they lost in the semis of, of the of the Sutmar Ligi. They lost in the final of the Club World Championship. But you brought in one of the best players in the world. You got the best performance maybe we've ever seen in the biggest match of the year. I kind of feel like that was worth it. I'm going to say it wasn't. Okay. I'm going to say it wasn't because if you just kept the team as it was last year and you bring back Bella Hawk, you can run it back. And yeah, I think, I think, I think you could run it back and go to the infinity gauntlet once again. Right. And it, it, it seemed to me that like, yes, it did work out in the end and that's fantastic, but there was a lot of downs. Like there's a lot of up and downs throughout the season, and quite often Agonu was at the heart of it all. So yeah, I I think for for me, I like I like seeing teams that like like it, it made no sense to me last year when Vakif Bank won it all, won the Champions League, won the World Club Championships, and they turn around and basically go like indirectly tell their best player in Isabel Hawk. Hey, you haven't been good enough for the past few years. Yes, you won the the best player of the World Club Championships, but we're going to go get the 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 person you've been we've been beating. Um, and you know it, it just kind of like makes me think like what was left on the table for Vakif Bank had they kept Bella Hawk and like ran it back with that entire team from last year. Great question, and we'll never know. But uh, I, that is a very strong point uh, and and a great question with not really a clear answer. Yeah, I guess not. Um, and then the other one that I had brought up, we already kind of talked about it. Would you rather be JSW or Zaxa? Yeah, um, I think we're on the same page. That uh, when, I'll take winning the three Champions Leagues. I'll, I'll yeah. take that, take that to to my grave. Ah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I would fully agree. Bob, do you have any other questions to wrap up the the uh, the year? Not really. Uh, I mean. We have such a quick turnaround to the national team season that we can't really even spend that much time digesting all of this because of how late the Champions League final is and how soon the VNL starts. So uh, we kind of got to shift our attention here pretty darn quickly 
And it is crazy that we have we have volleyball nations league matches one week from today. Like that that is wild. Uh, I think there are four women's games a week from today, Tuesday, May thirtieth. That's nuts. Like I I, I feel like I, I would obviously the players certainly deserve an off season, but even I kind of want an off season just to to reset my brain to to think about a different style of volleyball for more than just a week. Yeah, next next week we can watch international women's volleyball again. Um, we will be in Japan and Turkey, so those Japanese matches might be a little bit hard to watch uh, unless you're down to stay up really, really late or get up super early. Um, Germany versus the Dutch at 3.10, which is all Eastern time, by the way. Um, uh, Japan versus Dominican Republic at 6.40. Italy versus Thailand at 10 a.m., so that I think that one should be a, a decent That's one. That's doable. Yeah. Poland versus Canada. Let's go at one p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Man, it's it's nuts. We're, we're we I, we just had the Champions League final, and on next week's show, we will literally be talking about VNL matches that already happened. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Maple Volleys uh, on the women's side getting underway. Yeah, one p.m. a week from today. I'm stoked about that. I'm also stoked because we have. Let me tell you, we, we've we've got some things planned over here on Volleyball Source. We've got uh, Everett and I will do a couple things together. We'll do a couple things separately to get you all like everything you need to know for. Uh, you know, I'll be doing some previews for the USA men and women. Everett will be doing them for the Canadian men and women. We'll be doing some for kind of VNL and national team season as a whole. There's a lot going on. Uh, there there will be a lot of a lot of coverage here in Volleyball Source the next couple weeks. And uh, Everett, I think it's like what a, a like two weeks from today will be nations league in ottawa for the men and we're going to be there isn't that crazy yeah that is that that is crazy um that that is pretty nuts i can't i can't wait can't wait love, I both love and hate volleyball nations league i've talked about it before we don't need to get into it right now um <laughs> we've, we've got a point in the chat that i love this saturday turkey yeah. versus denmark <laughs> and if and this this particular fan says that Turkey will beat Denmark this time. Uh, not so fast. We saw what happened last year. But one of Everett's all-time great chirps uh, might expire, <laughs> depending on the results of that match. <laughs> oh, uh, you guys just got three dong by by a team lost to Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instant nine by nine Hall of Fame material with that one. And that's a, another thing that I love about national team season is that, like, since I mean, you're Canadian, I'm American, we don't have a club team that we're diehard fans no. of. We have national teams that we are diehard fans of, and we will, we will not shy away from that fandom on this show this summer, and I'm very excited about that part of it. Rob, in the chat right now, we've got people talking about the Iran visa issues. Um, okay, I, well, I, was, I was just barely reading about that in the Discord today. I don't know enough to talk about it right now. Uh, we will talk about it on next week's show or whenever we preview the men's VNL. I will make sure that I am well enough educated to talk about it, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. I, I just don't know enough. And it's, it's definitely a touchy subject. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know enough about it, about it either. Um, I'm assuming it's about Iran getting uh, gaining access to the United States. Yeah, it's about getting travel visas to the United States for a couple players in particular. But I'm not going to touch that one right now. You guys got to stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that's 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 about it for club season. Ever, it's nuts. Uh, join the join the Discord for sure. Uh, we're going to be popping off as we sort of shift our attention to Nations League next week. And uh, 
we'll, we'll be back next Tuesday, same time for the nine by nine, but there will probably be a decent amount more uh, YouTube coverage and videos and streams here on the channel, uh, preview a national team season before it starts. So you're in the right place. Uh, Luke coming in with a good figure it out of the year award as goes to Sato Krizua and Wallace for potentially <laughs> ruining the Brazilian volleyball federation. Yeah, that was a good one. That's a big old figure it out. <laughs> that, that is a, that, that is definitely a, a big figure it out. Um, all right, as we wrap up this show, let us know some topics that you guys want us to discuss. Yeah, please about, comment about them. national team season. Uh, we'll be sure to do some stuff. Maybe we can do some stuff outside of the scope of uh, the nine by nine. Um, also, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe over to Volleyball Source. We're going to be doing so much more content now that national team season is here. Um, I'm going to be at the Canada versus Brazil matches. Uh, right before vnl so if you want some sick baseline highlights you know where to come and uh join the discord come with us on the discord we're, we're always available there and uh yeah rob anything else from you wrap this up don't forget about where's daddy uh find daddy stankovich comment the timestamp of where he's at as soon as the stream is over so any second now i wonder if anybody is uh, I already found him and is waiting to waiting to be the first one to comment. So don't forget about that. But yeah, uh, stay tuned to the Volleyball Source Network. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming as it is our favorite season in volleyball. It's time for national team season, boys and girls. Uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. That is the end of year two of professional volleyball in the 9 by 9 That's right. That's year, two and two professional seasons we've done. That's crazy. Two in the books. Uh, that That will do it as well for episode 69, the nicest episode in show history. <laughs> let's go see you people thanks for watching